Welcome to the official podcast of Cardinals Nation 24-7. Each week, we put a unique perspective on bringing you the latest news, updates, and rumors of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization. Join the nation and stay informed by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, subscribing to us on the podcast form of your choice, and most of all, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you all for supporting the nation. Let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Jared Redwine, Chris Lawless, and Larry Cox. Hello, Cardinals Nation, and welcome to another episode of our Cardinals Nation 24-7 official video podcast. I'm Jared Redwine, joined as always by my friends and co-hosts, the living legend Larry Cox and the one and only founder of Cardinals Nation 24-7, Chris Lawless, gentlemen, good evening. Good to see you guys. Good evening. Good evening. Guys, uh, spring training is in full swing, and even when they don't have games that are televised or they're official, they're still playing like they were today. Uh, So we'll kind of circle back and start on what we've seen happen in the last week. And Chris, Carlos Martinez, and almost a hard time saying Carlos, is now officially in the starting rotation. Uh, we kind of thought that was going to happen anyways, but with Nicholas going down for the foreseeable future and not going to be ready at the start of the season, Carlos Martinez has been named a uh, member of the rotation by Mike Schilt. I mean, we pretty much kind of thought it was going to go this way, but uh, what do you think? I mean, I think Kevin Carlos is a, is a good option regardless. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before that, we kind of figured he would be at the back end of the rotation and at least getting that first go round, last chance, if you will, uh, to see if he's still got it. I mean, he did pitch decent in the Caribbean series and he kind of had a little bit of a struggle, you know, starting off spring training, but uh, the injuries have kind of forced the Cardinals hand and given him that opportunity. I, I hope he takes it and runs with it, you know, and does well. I mean, you want, you want the best for every Cardinal player. So you want him to thrive in that role. But it is a little concerning, uh, not just Michaelis, but Kim coming up a little, you know, mm-hmm. hurt with his back and, you know, what the Cardinals may or may not do. But, yeah, it looks like uh, Martinez has got his spot. Yeah, Larry, I want to ask you, does it concern you at all with Carlos being in the rotation? Carlos Ernesto Martinez being in the rotation, Tsunami himself. His spring training numbers aren't so hot so far. His ERA is in eight and the eight something, uh, it's high uh, in a short period of time. Does that concern you at all, or or no? He's just still figuring things out, and once the season starts, that's when it counts. I, I think that uh, Carlos, for so long that we've always been told, you know, he has the best stuff on the uh, in the staff. Uh, always wanting to put it together. It's I don't know. I guess his throwing arm to his head doesn't match. I guess at times, but. Carlos himself, I think if he's right, I think he throws tough. So, yeah, Chris, what do you call that? He's got a million dollar arm and a ten cent brain. Yeah, right. yeah. But uh, and so I think I think he's given this chance, and I think he knows this is probably his final, really a shot at this. So he better step up and do it, or he'll be stuck in the bullpen, or who knows, he may not even be wearing the birds on the bat anymore. So I think he's got to make it right. And like Chris said, you know, he pitched well in the, in the, in the Caribbean series. Uh, the rave was he, how good he, the command was there. And if you watch this year, even in spring training, he has had, he's had his moments and it always seems like it's still that first inning. 
he gets out of that first inning. I think he just kind of glides into a rhythm, and I think he's fine. But I think it's getting out of that first inning. So, yeah, first inning's been tough for the Cardinals all spring training. It seems like for the most part, except for Wayno. Yeah, his ERA is 8.31, and he's got eight and two-thirds innings of work, six strikeouts. But yeah, I think we take it with a grain of salt. I think Carlos is one of those guys, too, that gets in his own head, like we've both said. And, uh, it's the thing with the competition, I think. He knows it's spring training. He's trying to work stuff out. and He, he knows technically it's not counting for much, but now that he's been named a starter, I think something like that can get in his head a little bit too, knowing that he's not for sure a starter. Now they know he is, he'll come into kind of maybe his own comfort zone, hopefully. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll move on down to someone that is hot and doing an amazing job, and that's Tyler O'Neill. You guys, uh, twenty-four bats, he's hitting five hundred, two home runs, eight RBIs, uh, thirteen ninety-five OPS. Tyler O'Neill has come into his own after he had a good defensive year last year, and he's just crushing the ball you got to figure left field's his uh his, he's a shoe in for left field now right chris yeah he's definitely making a case for for having that everyday spot and you know i've, I've predicted that that's going to be the breakout player for the cardinals this year but that's you know a lot of that is the wanting him to succeed and not necessarily like i've got any st- statistics backing that up of thinking that he might but he's turning it up in spring and i know it is spring training but how could you not at least be excited about the numbers that he's putting up and seeing the ball? Well, you know, getting on base at that kind of a clip, it's, that's what the Cardinals are going to need. And for him to be doing that, that's, that's a definitely a good sign. Yeah. And you got to think Larry helps him coming into this year, knowing he won a gold glove last year. He's kind of got the uh, leg up on the other guys coming up, trying to compete for the spot. Then he's coming out swinging well with Arenado and Goldschmidt both in the lineup. Uh, and, and DeYoung hitting ahead of him or was until maybe now, you have to figure it's going to be turn out good for him as far as getting his mind right and only boast well for the rest of the lineup. Well, I mean, for last year, the uncertainty of not knowing you're going to be a starter, if you're going to be on the bench, a bat off the bench, that that's plays huge into a young man's head. You know, you don't know where you're going to be, when you're going to be. But I think the, uh, as Chris alluded to on his uh, audio podcast, was that, knowing that Fowler got shipped out so the young guys could play, I think that alleviates a lot of their their insecurities in the outfield that they know that's their spot now. And I think with him this year, I think the things I've noticed the most is he shortened his swing. It's more compact than it was before. It doesn't look like he's swinging out of his shoes anymore like he was before. Uh, but, man, he can when he unleashes, it's still there, man. He can crush them. But finding those spots where they're not, you know, hit where they ain't, you know, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. And I think he's doing really well. He's making great, great uh, adjustments in spring. Hopefully come opening day that carries over. It depends on, again, like we've always said, how many times we said as a group that uh, where are they going to play him in what position as far as the hitting and the batting order. So I think that's going to play a lot too. If, you know, is he second or is he going to bat fifth? So that's huge for, I think, right now. He's right now looking like the number five guy. Yeah, and we always love having a guy in the lineup that can match the ball with his potential, you know, and just his ability to be able to crush, hit home runs. And it's like we've talked about here before and, and on the page is that, you know, whenever you have other guys in the lineup, it lessens the burden for everyone else. Just having someone in the lineup that can go yard and absolutely empty the bases – it takes the pressure, you know, other guys like DeYoung don't have to focus on doing that as much. So 
uh, I think it's it's great. I'm glad he's actually playing well, and hopefully it's his spot to lose and he does well to start off the season so he gets to hold it down. So good, good for him. It's good to see for us and for Cardinal Nation. Uh, I wanted to talk about him to kind of talk about some of the positives other than some of the negatives. But back to negative that you already mentioned, uh, Chris, KK, uh, Kwan Hyun Kim uh, with his back injuries. Uh, his back's been a little stiff. It's something he's never had happen before, so he was shut down for a little bit. But he did start playing long toss again, uh, which is good news, which means he's on a slow path back. They don't see him to be out for the foreseeable future, but he could definitely miss opening day. And you have to wonder if that's been kind of affecting his numbers because his, his ERA is like 21 or something like that. He's It's really high. He didn't uh, have too good a look in his first couple of outings. But Kim going down, let's say he doesn't make – opening day we're going to play this I guess every week I know we probably figure it's going to be one of a certain guys but Kim being out sucks because he's a lefty and he was solid for us last year probably our second best starter behind Wayno. Uh, where do you think this kind of positions the Cardinals until Kim's ready to come back well I know that um, you know I've I've been high on Hennessy Cabrera being a lefty that could come in and be a lefty in the rotation if that's what the Cardinals feel that they need to, to replace him at the start of the season uh, it was a little disheartening to hear that they've already come out and said that basically they're going to have Alex Reyes on a short hundred plus inning, you know, type of type of season, because we were, we were kind of pushing for wanting to see him take that fifth starter spot. Um, Gant did look pretty good the other day in his game that, that he pitched. Um, but yeah, Kim being shut down for right now. I mean, like you said, he's, he's at least taken a slow path back. I don't think you need to rush him, especially with the amount of arms that the Cardinals have that they could slot in temporarily. Um, but yeah, him being a lefty and that it's, it's concerning with him and Michaelis. I mean, you've got two injured. You're already out with Hudson and plugging in Martinez. Who's not looked good. There's, there's some red flags. And as much as we've talked about the Cardinals having a strength of having so many arms, uh, you hate to see that, you know, this could be one of those, why didn't we go out and get a starter like an Odorizzi? You know, it, it it's already kind of looking like, uh, you know, what what could we do here? Sure. And I'm glad you brought that up too, Chris, because I was going to ask that part of the thing to to Larry. Benjamin Hodgman of the St. Louis Boat Dispatch even said, you know, since they said they're going to limit Reyes uh, to a little over 100 innings, that's going to be more than he would figure to get in relief. Uh, but less as a starter. So maybe Kim's already in a throwing program. Uh, even like he said, it'd be nice to retract their statement. It'd be nice to see someone like Reyes maybe come in and get a couple of starts to start the season just to see what he can do, right, Larry? And then if he does well and he's performing and he looks amazing and he's got shut down stuff, maybe you tweak your innings and say, well, we're going we're gonna to do 150. Now, what are your thoughts on the whole Reyes slash Martinez situation and who you think might step in for him? when do you going to really need that number five starter? Um, so he could actually potentially be a month away from them even really needing to even post a fifth starter. Cause you could go the four man route for the beginning. A lot of teams used to all the time because it's a short month, but um, I've, I've always said, I like Reyes. I think you got to get the shot. I think you got to get a chance to at least prove what he can do because we don't have much time left with him that if you don't, he's out of options. What are you going to do with him? So you're going to have to decide what's going to happen with this kid. He's He was the ace of the staff or the number one prospect, I should say, not ace. Um, so unless you unleash that arm, you're never going to know. We've seen what Gant can do. He's the other option, I guess. 
but we've seen what he could do as a starter. We see him in the bullpen. He, I think he's had more success in the bullpen. I mean, he didn't pitch badly for us when he did start, but I think that, um, I think Reyes is the kid that we all want to see because we've all waited on him. It's like Carlos Martinez again. We've always been told how good he should be, whether or not he is. So Reyes that, you know, maybe he's that lightning in the bottle come July. Maybe, you know, you dial him back his innings, then you push him in come July, and then he kind of catches fire and carries you down the way. So you never know what they're thinking is long-term. Yeah, and, and I'm going to circle back to you on that too, Chris. I just looked at the numbers real quick. Ponce has pitched well. He's got a 2.35 ERA in seven and two-third innings. Gann is at 5.79 with nine and a third innings. And Reyes hasn't allowed any runs in five innings, and he struck out seven. The other two guys have eight. So Reyes has looked really good, really sharp stuff. Do you think, since Schultz said he's going to be limited and he's in the bullpen, he's going to stay that way, or do you think there's a possibility they might flip him? And looking at those numbers, too, you got to think Ponce has got to be penciled in somewhere, too. I mean, it'd, be, it'd suck for him not to get a shot also. Right. And I, I think we've, we've talked about that before, too, where if we had to pick between Ponce or Gant on getting a nod, I think we all lean a little more toward Ponce de Leon than we do on Gant. Gant does seem to thrive more in that long relief role. Neither Ponce or Gant are big strikeout pitchers, and but they can get it done. And having somebody like Reyes to come out and he can just mow them down. I think that that's your biggest threat. Having him be a starter is he can give you a few innings and the bat not touch the ball. And the, you know, that, that could bode well for us. I, I, I would want to see him get that shot. You know, I really do. And they could retract from their statement because that was before Kim got shut down. So they could backtrack on that and add to his workload. And really, you know, we kind of talk about this too to add that kind of a limit on him at his age where it, it makes a little sense, but not a lot of sense, like to limit him to just that amount of pitches. At what point do you feel comfortable letting him just let it all hang out? You know, I mean, I, I get it. You want to baby a guy back into the situation, but why put a number on it? Just let him go out there and see what he's got. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to start limiting things like they do, that's what I don't like about, the current age of baseball and we talked about this you guys on our prior episode where we did our Gibson and Brock tribute where the number of innings those guys pitched in that case you're going to say you're going to limit Reyes because he's been hurt in the past and we might as well limit Wainwright because Wainwright's been pretty injury plagued plus he's getting older so maybe we should limit him Carlos Martinez usually wears down by the end of the year so maybe we should limit him you know there's and that can be due to conditioning or any number of things but I think you go off feel you know how do you how do you feel? How are you pitching? Do you feel well? Can you go? You know, maybe then you do like Larry suggested earlier and you, you throw an extra, you throw a spot start again, doesn't make the rotation or Reyes needs an extra day. Maybe you kind of push him back when you have a day or two off uh, of games, you know, maybe you, you kind of push him back a little bit or flip that rotation to where he misses, you know, he throws a bullpen or a side session, but maybe he misses that start and somebody else comes in. If you need somebody, someone like again, or a Genesis Cabrera, like you said, comes in and makes it, spot starter, have a bullpen game in a doubleheader type situation. Maybe you don't run him in a, that doubleheader. Uh, and Larry, something I wanted to ask you too, because Chris pointed up on it again, I mean, you know, he's the founder is wise in many ways, is, you know, these guys are talking about they're not strikeout pitchers, pitching a contact. You got to think, and I know you've seen a, a lot of baseball like we have, we're kind of a pitch to contact team now. We don't need the high strikeout guys. We've got a pretty solid defensive, even losing Wong or we're, we're solid on the infield. We have a, 
a great outfield with uh, Bader, Carlson, and O'Neill. You kind of think that's what we want, keep our keep our guys in the field on defense busy, and we're going to make the majority of the plays, you'd have to think. Yeah, I mean, we went out and got a gold glover for third base and a gold glover for first base. Why not use them? I mean, you know, the strikeouts are fascist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're boring. No, you know. And not only that, but it also racks up a lot of a lot of uh, pitched balls. So they get into those they get into those high pitch counts because they are trying to pitch the strikeouts. And if you don't have a Hicks or you don't have Reyes type stuff, you're throwing strike. I mean, you're going to get a lot of full counts. So why not just pitch to contact on you know the first or second pitch, and let the let the grounders roll and let them play. Um, the other thing I think we kind of glossed over a little bit too is. There's another kid that's having a great spring as well in the pitching staff, and that's Parsons. That kid's come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. He came in the other night, bases loaded, struck it out, twin set down, no big deal. And I think they've, in, I think he's entered the game two or three times with bases loaded or runners in scoring positions. So, yeah, I've got, I've got it. I get, I had him on my list of notables. Sorry, <laughs> no, no. Actually, don't be sorry because it's actually great. It's, it's a, it's a perfect segue because uh, there's a lot of guys on this team. We're talking about pitching. At, is we're talking about guys like Parsons has pitched extremely well. And then you've got Cody Whitley, you got Jake Woodford, you got those three guys that performed well this entire spring. And maybe they're starting to notice they can get a little bit of a nod when you see guys like Fernandez and Quisada getting sent down already to minor league camp. But you have to figure with some of these injuries too, those guys have to be vying for a spot. Parsons isn't on the 40 man, uh, but you have to think he's, he's got a decent chance of making the team. Don't you Larry? Well, the, I mean, yeah, I, I mean they're gonna they're gonna make the team these guys because he he's that surprise guy that's come out of nowhere and and even the scouting reports say that Parsons is he's the most um, uh, uh, consistent pitcher as far as hitting his hitting his spots and that um, yeah as far as accuracy goes yeah. right accuracy that's what's trying to come up with thank you um, but you got to remember the other thing is in this age of COVID how many of these players are being the like minded or like type player being sent out in case what if you send Parsons up and he's in that COVID infected area. So now you bring him out and you can switch him with another player that's on that taxi squad. So I think they kind of have to guard this year against those, those happenings rather than be caught, you know, with their pants down or short staff because they're not ready for it. So I, I think there's a lot involved with, you know, Fernandez and those guys being sent down early it kind of separates them and it kind of quarantines them away from the rest of the team, I guess, at some point. So I think that's an advantage for the season in case of an injury or a COVID attack like last year. I mean, what do we have at one point? Five, six players all get COVID at one time. We had to cancel games and went to double headers. Chris, let me go to you, Parsons. I wanted to look it up. He's uh, no earned runs, pitched eight in the third inning, struck out seven. So that's better than anyone I've mentioned so far. Uh, Cody Whitley's pitched three and a third, struck out five, and then Jake Woodford's uh, four innings, uh, struck out three. I mean, you got to think those guys have performed well. They have to at least get a long look, you would think, right? Yeah, I I think uh, you guys nailed it with Parsons being the dark horse here, where you know he kind of come out of nowhere. I was a little surprised that they had sent uh, Fernandez down so soon, but you know when guys are up there performing like a Parsons and Whitley and Woodford, you you want to keep keep them hot and keep them seeing what you can get out of them. Um, that's that's going to work well for the bullpen, or they could you know maybe position themselves into a spot start role. 
I was a little surprised too that um, going off of pitching, uh, John Nagowski is another hot bat that is working his way onto the team. You know, we've talked about him in the past too, but he's done really well uh, in spring training. And even though we kind of look at where would he, you know, fit in where he's a first baseman, you know, he's not going to get much playing time over at Paul Goldschmidt. And with Matt Carpenter's whole situation, you know, where does that leave a guy like Nagoski? But he's been tearing it up too in spring. So this is definitely a time where I know the the younger guys are vying for their spot on a team where the, the veterans are more just trying to work on fine-tuning their craft. But there's a lot of these young guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, that's that's great that you brought him up. Also, he's on the list. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are watching some of these guys too, like – uh, Larry's been mentioning Parsons, you know, kind of as his dark horse for the past couple of weeks, and they and Tommy Parsons just keeps getting better and better. You think Tommy Parsons gets added to the forty-man roster, Chris? I do. I, you know, it, if you would have brought this up three weeks ago, I'd have been like Tommy Parsons, who, you know, I really would have. But now the way he's pitching, I, I think you you give him that spot, and you know, just see what he can do. I mean, worst case scenario, he fizzles a little bit and you send him down, but he's still on the 40 man and makes sense to carry a kid that at least is showing you what he's got and putting up some great numbers this spring. Yeah. Larry, I know it's kind of a redundant question for you, but if you're, you're uh, going into scene starts tomorrow, you're taking Parsons, you're adding him to the 40 man, are you? Yeah. How could you not? I mean, seriously, uh, cause spring training, that's all you ask kids. Show me what you got. And he's done above and beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, for everyone at home, if you're having trouble finding him, if you're using the app or whatever, he is. He's been with Cardinals for a couple of years. He's just breaking out this year. You'll find him if you go to the roster. He's not on the forty man or the active. You need to go to the invitee section, and that's where you'll find Mr. Thomas Parsons. Uh, and we'll move a lot along to uh, this, these some of these uh, bench spots that uh, Chris you brought up. Chris, what have you seen so far? I know you already talked about. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, you're real tight with his mom. Um, Nagowski, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's been tearing he's been tearing it up uh, offensively. I mean, he, I knew his a, name. I knew his name this time. I just you know you and your <laughs> friends and write back and forth and stuff. So right, maybe, maybe you would talk to him whatever about how his offseason approach was this year. Has him or his mom said anything to you about his approach? His mom has said that he's really enjoying this spring training, and I'm sure he is. You know, but for him to have a the other day a four hit game, you know, he he tore it up. Uh, again, you know, it's kind of hard to find a spot necessarily for him, but when you're hitting the ball, you hit the ball, you play. And that's something Matt Carpenter's kind of, you know, been struggling with. So I, I can see Nagoski making the team. Another one is uh, Ron Doan. Um, you know, he's played quite well, and he's kind of maybe pushing for a spot. Uh, Sosa has kind of been a little hit and miss. So it's – as far as our bench goes, uh, it's – I don't know. There's still room and time in spring training to figure some things out, but yeah, it's kind of bleak on some of them. And that's really what spring training's for, right, Larry? For all the people that are knee jerking with everything and getting all up in arms about people not hitting. And are you worried about the young? And are you worried about Carlson? And are you worried about Goldschmidt? No, you're not really. These spring training games are to figure out these battles, like Chris just said, right? You're trying to see what you have. Jose Rondon, you know, coming in, he's playing well. And then you've got, you know, guys like Lane Thomas and Justin Williams that are putting the pressure to make the team. I mean, that's really what you're trying to figure out, right? Your last couple of spots. And 
I know that's kind of what you said you use spring training for yourself is to watch these guys like Parsons, like Rondone, to see kind of what we have coming up within the ranks of the system. Well, not only that, but some of these kids, I, I mean, like we know Sosa's out of options. Williams is still up in the air. Um, these are kids are trying out for other teams. I mean, there's other teams that are watching them just as much as we are. So if let's say we keep a Rondone instead of a Sosa, where does Sosa go? We can't send him back down. So maybe one of these teams like a Seattle or somebody's paying attention and they're at the end of spring training, you make, you just swing a small deal where he gets, you know, cash considerations or something of that nature. Or if you got a kid that even that's going to send down, you know, that doesn't have a future because he is blocked by Arenado or Goldie or somebody there's, there's always that time they're scouting those players. So this is their chance for them to shine. Um, I mean, we've talked about most of these guys in general, um, even like the, uh, what's more off. I mean, that kid's done. He's done a lot since he's been called up or brought over, I should say. So there's a lot of these players that we don't have a a real uh, feel for because especially last year, the whole situation, but a lot of these players are just new to us. And the fact that some of them are here, I'm knocking on your door. I want you to know who I am. That's impressive for me. I mean, you always, in the past, you've seen kids that, you know, John Jay or somebody like that, we heard about him. We didn't know a lot about him. And he came in, he pushed for that position, and he took it. I mean, we traded away the guy that was there, that was the established guy that was supposed to be the the next heir apparent. So it does happen. I mean, maybe a Bader sitting there right now going, holy crap, you know, Williams, Thomas, or Dean – are pushing me. I better do something or my 196 batting average. I'm going to be sent. Cincinnati Reds always like a speedy outfielder. I've heard. So looking at the roster too, we've got 39 on the 40 man roster. And then once uh, Hudson gets put on the 60 day, you'll have two spots. The bad thing about for Jose Rondon, because we have several Rondones on the team is that he's not on the 40 man and neither is Parsons, but you have to figure Parsons is probably a leg up guy to get that spot. I don't see them just coming out of camp and activating everybody, but uh, Nagowski's played really well. He's batting 333 with a 978 OPS. Rondon's hitting 286, but his OPS is 1139, but he's got good speed too. So it's nice to see. And then you do see guys like, well, Justin Williams has kind of fallen off on the outfield battle, and Sosa has not played well. I mean, really, you figure guys like DeYounger, they're making the team regardless, and Paul's going to do well. But guys like Sosa, this is where they start looking, and you – you might see something random come up at the end of spring training to where they say, you know, he's not cutting it to where they go ahead and cut ties. You know, he's out of options. What are you going to do? You don't just put him on the team just to put him on the team. Like you would say Matt Carpenter, but I think Matt's kind of earned that chance at least to make it to the, to the start of the season and see what can happen before you go that dresser ground, especially when you have so much time and money uh, invested. Uh, what do you, what do you guys think? you and, do you guys think Lane Thomas still has a pretty good shot of making the team? He can play all positions like Williams, but I haven't heard anything yet on the on the extra option for everyone that played last year. But uh, you're making the roster out now, regardless of roster. Are you taking Thomas or are you taking Williams? I would probably go ahead and take Thomas, even not knowing the whole uh, Williams situation, and that's because just in the little bit of a taste that we've got to see. Of Thomas, he, he looks like he's at least capable of handling the outfield and handling the bat. Um, you know, I, I don't think he slides into a starting role by any means, but, you know, if 
somebody comes out flat, whether that's a Bader or even a Carlson, uh, I could see Thomas, you know, getting getting some starts and until those guys can get on their feet. But I, I would go with Elaine Thomas right now over Williams. Uh, that's just kind of going with the gut, though. Yeah, and Williams, I didn't even know until I'm looking now. He's had more at-bats than anybody else, with the exception of O'Neill. He's had more than Bader and Thomas. And it, he's really dropped off. He's only batting 190 now with a 594 OPS. And Thomas is still hitting 300 so uh, with an 800 OPS. So you have to think, Larry, you're trying to go to win a division. And you're going all out this year because you have guys like Wayno and Yachty who might not be back next year. You kind of have to take your, your best players within reason. Yeah, I think I think Dean's kind of the guy on the outside looking in. Um, I think he's misplayed three or four balls in the outfield where he's got spun around. I, and I realize Roger Dean's not an easy stadium to play in. Um, but I think with the Williams situation being up the air, Dean has options. I think you can send him down. Williams can ride the pine if he has to um, until they figure that out, give him enough at-bats because he does have the speed. But I, I think right now, I mean, me, I would take Thomas over Bader um, and let him have center field. But, again, for some strange reason, we've already announced Bader's the starting center fielder. And I think that, again, goes back to confidence and saying, you're our guy. We want you to go out and succeed. Um, a lot of fans forget, you know, we miss Colton Wong leaving and all that. But how many years did we watch Colton Wong struggle with the bat, but yet his defense carried him? And the good thing about that was we always had better offensive numbers, so we were able to carry him. Well, do we are we going to have those offensive numbers to carry Bader this year? We all hope so, but it, nothing's given in stone yet. So, yeah, and you have to think, man. There's a lot of these guys. Williams actually looks to be the odd man out all of a sudden now because Austin Dean. I looked at him; he's hitting 300 now with an OPS of almost 800 too. So you have to think Williams, his stock is falling quickly. So these are the kind of battles that you like to see, but these are the kind of guys that also have to, you know, it's time to perform for them if you're going to make the roster. So with it being limited and they're really only being five position players, one of them going to a catcher, one of them is going to go to Matt Carpenter. You have to kind of, it's kind of a put up or shut up type time. So. Uh, also, uh, today they didn't have an actual official spring training game, but they had a uh, inner squad game in which Nolan Garman, Nolan Gorman, excuse me, played second base uh, all day. And they said he nothing really major happened, but he did turn a double play with Nolan Arenado and had a pop up. But it said it was a lot of it was like holding runners on, which I didn't know, but he was a shortstop uh, as well when he was younger. He also did report to camp, you know, and has put in a lot of time and work with Okendo and Stubby Clap also. It's good to see him out there, Chris. You got to figure, other than third base, he's probably going to see a lot of second, maybe some outfield, and he'll probably start the season in Double A Springfield. Yeah, they they. I read an article earlier that said he's got a glove for basically every position uh, that he prefers. You know, having his cleats on the dirt and not playing in the outfield, but you know, if need be, he's he's a gamer. He'll he'll give you anything that you're asking for him. Uh, I did hear where he looked good, you know, at second base and. Uh, Flaherty pitched, I believe, five innings and looked good in, in that game. Um, but, yeah, it, when you've got somebody that's at, at his age, already got the maturity and the mindset of anything to help the team, there's some of these ball players that are just hell-bent on 
this is what I am. I'm going to play this position and I'm, you know, that's where I'm most comfortable. And they're, they're more of a me first player. And to, to have somebody of his caliber, you know, to have that mindset, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And it it is good to see because when you have a bat like his and he's a top prospect that he is, you're going to find a way to work him into the lineup. So you got to figure getting him as many reps as you can at different positions while he's, you know, still learning the ways of the major league and stuff is, is better now than trying to learn it on the fly in major leagues, which they've done before. But I think he'll be more confident knowing that he can play multiple positions, not being thrown into Bush Stadium in the middle of a you know pennant race in July and say, hey, we need you. Edmund broke his leg. We need you to play second base. So, uh, Larry, your thoughts on Gorman working second? Well, I mean, if you really, if you really look at it now – him playing second base makes a lot more sense of the releasing of Wong and letting him go. You play Edmund for a year there. You send you send Gorman down. He learns position at second base. Next year, Gorman starts at second base. Edmund slides back to utility, and then and then of course, if Carp's gone, so that really does add more sense to the releasing of the buying out of the option of Wong. Not that either one of them are going to win a gold glove. Well, Edmund could. Edmund's actually pretty athletic. He could win a gold glove. But right now with Gorman, you're going to get the bat. And it seems like every year that's where we struggle the most is getting the hits. Our defense is pretty adequate. I mean, it's been adequate since Schilt took over. Um, so I think I think we've gotten better in that category, but we still we're not we're not knocking the cover off the ball. And if you can squeeze a big bat in like that, I mean we've done it in the past. Getting the hits is uh, usually what's the driving force, and hopefully Arnold makes up for that. But speaking of getting a hit, Matt Carpenter got his first one. Uh, Chris, I'm sure you probably haven't heard anything else about it since then on the on the Facebook uh, group. How's everyone taking the news of Carpenter breaking the offer? Now he's batting .50 on the season. Right. Well, not, not to name drop, but I will name drop that we've got a certain individual in the Cardinal Station 24-7 group that every time Carpenter gets out, we hear a post, we, we get to read about him being 0-4. So when, when he finally got the hit, you know, I had to make sure that guy was still breathing. Of, you know, hey, how's he reacting? Because uh, fans have been pretty hard on Carpenter, and rightfully so. I mean, I did put a post up on our page that these guys are – human beings and we need to kind of slow the roll on maybe how we attack them, but their play is fair game. You know, their performance, you know, if they're underperforming as a fan, we've got every right to critique and criticize sure. them. You know, they're making the money. So if, if you can't handle the heat, you know, get your ass out of the kitchen is the old line. So basically Carpenter, he deserves anything that the fans are throwing out uh, critiquing his play for him to only have one hit. It's sad. I mean, we've we've kind of brought it up at nauseum about how he looks at the plate, uh, not swinging the bat necessarily. You know, looking at a lot of pitches, and then spring training is really where, if you're going to swing and miss, swing and miss in spring training. I mean, at least try to make contact. It seems like if he does, he's hitting into the shift. If you tell him not to hit the shift, he's like, I'm going to hit the shift even harder now. <laughs> I mean, that's just his mentality. So. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see him finally get that hit, but he's a long way from where we need Matt Carpenter to be. It was an RBI double, man. I mean, crushed it. RBI yeah. double. Boom. Carpenter oh. took the lead. 
I mean, Larry, you got to figure the criticism's not going to go any anytime soon. At the beginning of the uh, season, they talked about how he might use batting gloves, but we haven't seen him do that yet. And the key part about it is, you know, everyone thinks it might be his back or his hips, but, and I was thinking that too. And then you watch him when he is playing in the field and you think if it was something health wise, the team would try to protect him and you'd see him at DH more, but he's been at second base a lot. And he's made a couple of decent plays out in the field, honestly, a couple yeah, decent plays better than I thought he would be able to do at his advanced baseball age, I will call it and not playing there in a while, but he's made a couple of nice plays, which makes you think he would have to be healthy. I mean, what do you, what do you think? You think it's just psychological? You think he's just done? Or you think there's still some gas in the tank and we're going to find out when the season starts? I, at times, I think he's just lost. I, I mean, seriously, I, I mean, I, he swings at stuff that's in the dirt, then things are down the middle, he's watching. I think the launch angle, I think him trying to just launch it for the home runs to beat the shift, I think it's got into his head. I I, I think it's 90% is psychological. I really do. Um, the other night, uh, he did have the nice, solid swing. It was warning track power. I thought for sure it was out of the park, and it died about two or three feet short of the, short of the fence. But that was the Matt Carpenter swing of old, if you stopped him and looked at it. It was a nice level swing. It wasn't that uppercut golf swing that he's all of a sudden he's developed. Um, the whole batting gloves thing, if he's going to use them, why isn't he using them now? Why is he going to unveil that in the normal season? Why not break them out if you're going to use them? So I, I don't, to me, I don't understand the whole situation with him. I realize it's the, you know, $16 million or whatever he's getting paid. Like Chris has said, you know, on his show, you know, you're not going to set $16 million on the bench. So I, I think that they're going to give him every chance to succeed because about the time you'd release him, he'd clear waivers. He'd end up on the Cubs or something like that. And all at once he's got a swing back, you know, that would be our nightmare. So it's only 18 and a half million. Oh, my bad. 18 and a half. I was guys giving us 2 million. Yeah. Two million in baseball is not much, but I guess it is for a couple of yahoos like us. I don't know if that would be more of a nightmare or if we keep throwing him out there and he keeps going to over, you know, and we deal with that for a good chunk of the beginning of the season. Like that might be a bigger nightmare of, yeah, you, you want to say we've got that money tied up into him, but you're going to put that money on the field and cost us games. Like that's, that's just as much, if not worse of a nightmare situation. Yeah. But I think, I, I think if the season started tomorrow and he started off over four, over five, I don't think you'd see him anymore. I think he'd be gone. I, I think that's the leash now. It's that short. I, I could see the Matt Carpenter experiment going into June before they do anything. I think it would take them a couple months just because they, they're always so hesitant to admit failure or the falling out of a, of a deal gone bad. So I, th- I think, and then you have both ends of the spectrum, right, guys? We both see it on the in the face more with the Facebook group and the page. I mean, we see it all over the place. But us, when we have to deal with, you know, comments, and then Chris, we had the one lady message us. And you got you get both ends of the spectrum. You've got people that can't stand him and don't want to see him out there and think he's a total waste of space. And then you have the diehard fans that love him no matter what and can do no wrong and are just hoping and praying that he comes out and. And does well. And while I'm tired of the Carpenter situation myself and don't think he should be playing, 
I'm still pulling for the guy. And I, and I think all three of us are, I think all three of us would like to see him go out there and just start crushing the ball and turn it into the doubles machine that he was before. So, I mean, you got to feel both in the spectrum and you got to think Cardinal fans are passionate both ways, right? You know, uh, it, it, passion is the key and not everyone agrees. And that's the difference of having the, the Facebook group is, uh, you know, the, Opinions differ and everyone has their own and that doesn't mean they're any more or less of a fan or uneducated or not intelligent and thinking of nice ways to see things. That just means they have their own opinion and want to see him do well. And nobody's necessarily right or wrong, but everyone has an opinion to us that spend a lot of time and money uh, and invest, invest that into these teams to which they go back and put into players. We do have a right to say something. So, you know, my advice, and you guys can follow this up to people is, you know, if you, no matter what you say in the, in our Facebook group, I'm kind of going off topic here, you feel free to put and, sh- and share whatever you like there, uh, you know, that's baseball Cardinals related, but be prepared also, you're going to have people that, you know, there's 40 some thousand people in that group and they're not going to agree with you. So keep keep that in mind that everyone is not going to be of the same thought process that you are when you post it. So be prepared to have some criticism, be prepared to receive some people that are not so nice. And if it's crosses the line, you do have to let us know because that's something that we don't always see. People think we read every single comment, but we don't even see them uh, unless they get flagged and reported. And we don't want to be like other sites to where you know, we limit pretty much everything you say or don't let you post anything. We try to give people the, the freedom to have open discussion. So that is the focus of that, of the Facebook group. Yeah. There's that fine line, you know, where, and and like you said, there's both ends of the spectrum, you know, and it's, it's hard for some people that when they criticize a player and when he struggle and I'm not just talking about Carpenter, it goes Bader. And, you know, when Fowler was doing the same, you know, it was the same thing there. Uh, Even, you know, Mike Matheny had his run where everybody was just mouthing him constantly. And the thing is like, when their play warrants it, call them out on it. But I think at the end of the day, even the ones calling them out on it want them to succeed. And the ones that are, you know, called rah-rah fans or they're just blind fans and say, you know, I want Bader out there every day, even if he's hitting 200. Or, you know, I want Carpenter out there regardless. Uh, You know, take that with a grain of salt because it is a business, you know, and even though we appreciate all Matt Carpenter has done for us, we want to win games. And that doesn't mean we think he's a horrible human being. If we call him out for having an O for day or an O for week, it's just, you know, it is what it is. And fans can use their voice. That's what the group's all about. Yeah. And use, it doesn't matter. Everyone thinks they're right in their own opinion, right? Now, see, to me, I think Carpenter and Bader are different. I think Carpenter's been there and performed in the past and done well. So I think he has more leeway. And I feel like Bader gets the same attention and Bader has yet to earn that in my opinion. So that's why me personally, I have a shorter leash with guys like Bader because I don't think they, they've earned anything to this point. I was the same way with Mike Matheny as the manager. I didn't think fire Matheny was the answer because uh, we put too much blame on managers and GMs. In my opinion, other people think different, but I think we do. It's at this level, a lot of these guys are high paid players with egos. And I think a lot of it, falls on their shoulders. Coaches can try to, you know, alter that a little bit. Uh, Matheny had some issues with the lineup, but Matheny was given a pennant winning baseball team. 
uh, in a World Series team and basically maintain that team for a couple of years with the with the exception of Albert Pujols, which we gained Carlos Beltran, who outperformed Pujols his first year here and vice with Pujols in, in L.A. But, Larry, you, you got to think, too, you know, everyone has difference of opinion and certain people just can't get over that. Well, the three of us, I mean – we don't always agree on everything that we discuss here. And that, and that's what gives us that the fandom or the ability to, to, to be different or our opinions, but yet we respect each other enough that we don't call each other, you know, well, not in public anyhow, we call each other names or belittle mm-hmm. each other as jokingly we do, but for anybody to call a major league player trash until you walk those shoes, I don't think you have the right to say that. Now, you cannot like that Carpenter is hitting one for 21 or whatever it is, but at the same time, to say he's trash, I don't think that's a fair assessment, and that's my opinion, and I'm able to give my opinion because I have a podcast for him to use it. So if you want to go out and badmouth players, get your own podcast, get your own page, get your own group. But it would be boring if we didn't have those conversations because it is, that's the whole point of Facebook, whether people like it or not, it's you post your opinion and I get a rebuttal. If I didn't, why would it be there? It'd just be you putting things out in the world and nobody ever responding. So the only thing I've ever asked is, is give, you know, give those players their, their uh, credits or their due just due, I guess, because like a Bader to judge him on his hair or his physique or whatever you want to call it. That's not baseball. That's a fashion world. And so if, you know, I, I give him credit because he's the fastest man on the team. I give him credit because he has gold gold glove caliber defense. I thought you were going to say gold locks. <laughs> that too, goldie locks. But the guy can't hit his weight, you know. And so that's our disappointment in him. And the fact that we want him to succeed, it frustrates us. Matt Carpenter, I was the biggest proponent of Matt Carpenter for years. I'll admit it. Because this guy is the ultimate team professional. He's the old version of Nolan Gorman. This guy has done everything they have asked him to do. He's moved anywhere they've asked him to play. He's went from being a leadoff hitter or from he was batting seventh or eighth to being a leadoff hitter, to being the third place hitter, to being the cleanup hitter. And so that's where I feel that you kind of give him, like you said, a little bit more leeway because he has done it. I mean, two years ago, or three years ago, he put the team on his back and he carried them for, what, 16, 17 weeks. And that was phenomenal. And as a baseball fan in general, that, to me, set the tone for the season because our season wasn't going that great. And to me, I remember that, but I also know I don't want that broken-down player going out on his, you know, that he played way past his prime as well. So I see both sides of that as well. I just, you know, a respect, and that's all I get on. And and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. You know, the 40-plus thousand members we have, it, the negative Nancys are always the ones that get the most notoriety because as soon as one gets negative, it seems like we all kind of pile on that person, so it amplifies it. So, unfortunately, Facebook and their dynamics, how it works, it just automatically kicks that to the top, so that's the post I'm going to see more than anybody else's. Sure. I'm just guilty of not, you know, gloss over it, keep moving. So. I'll tell you one name that we haven't heard much complaining about that we normally do, and that's DeWitt Mazalek. Uh, after getting Nolan Ar- Arenado this offseason, 
you know, that that's always been in the past. And there's still some that, you know, criticize those guys at nauseum too, where it's just like, we are so cheap DeWitt's so cheap as they like, can't land anybody, you know? So it, it goes beyond just the players, you know, the, the managers and the ownership, we, we hear criticism, criticism about them all. Yeah. We heard how often did we hear fire Matheny and fire Mabry there for a while. That was the trend for the longest time. Oh yeah. Well, the, the, the one of the biggest things I see is, is the, the fire, the batting coach, the hitting coach every yeah. single day. It seems like first yeah. and foremost, I wish people would sit down and know what a hitting coach at major league level does. They don't teach a guy to hit. They refine the way they hit based upon their style of hitting. They tweak yeah. it. They do the they do the the pre pre game. They give them here's where the defense is shielding against you or shifting approaches and stuff and like that. Exactly yeah. the analytics involved. They're not out there teaching you how to swing a bat. Those guys got to the major league swinging a bat. They don't need some guy teaching them how to do it. Yeah, and, and a guy like Jeff Albert's not going to go and be like, okay, all right, Goldie, Arenado, fall in. Let me show you guys what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> right. Uh, I, did, I stand behind him in the batter's box and, like, hold the bat for him. You know, yeah, that's not your elbow up. You don't hear him yelling from the dugout during the game. Choke up now. Okay, good eye, good eye. Yeah, here you go. Watch the next one. Next one's yours, baby. Watch the next one. <laughs> Well, during COVID, we may have heard it with the fan base. <laughs> yeah, if they were saying it, you would have heard it. Uh, the, the Jeff Howard was probably taking a nap. But on the flip side of that, we, we went a little long. But, Chris, explain the difference between what we have being Cardinalization 24-7 with the, the page and group. And if one's not your cup of tea, what the other one's for. Yeah, I've I've explained this so many different times, and I I know for explain some it people, again, Chris. People aren't please, Chris. Please let the people know. <laughs> let people know about your hard work. Damn the people it. have spoken. We want to know what Chris Lawless right. does. Life right. and right before we just went on here, started recording to everybody. He was like, "Can you guys bring it up again so I can talk about all the hard work I've done?" All it's the people. It's all about got. Chris. We want everybody to know it's about Chris. Bullshit. <laughs> we love you, bro. I uh, know, uh, but no, the, the difference is that the page, you know, is stuff that the three of us, if we come across something that's Cardinal related and it, it's from the post dispatch or a local news or, you know, Fox sports, Midwest, any legit. And also some of the blog writers articles about the Cardinals yeah, where it's not York city or some of those guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if we're putting out stuff, it's, it's stuff that's informative, you know, and it's something that Cardinal fans would enjoy. It's not, you know, just us throwing up a post about an opinion on something, you know, we also share some photos for fun and, you know, some polls and stuff like that on occasion, but the page is just constantly the news that we find on Twitter and anywhere about the Cardinals that we post throughout the day. The group is the fan forum and that's wherever fan has the ability to post anything they want. That's Cardinal related. If they're uh, rooting for a guy, if they're on a guy's case for, you know, struggling, if they want to share game day photos, that's that's the place. Is show, the off new, show off their new bobblehead, whatever. Well, show off your bobblehead collection. You know, there's there's a lot of cool stuff that the Facebook group is that it's not just one niche. You know, it's a it's a lot of different things from a lot of different people that all share their cardinal fandom, and that's that's the cool thing about it that I I brought up on you know my cardinal cuts show was that the one. The best thing I think about it is you're getting to interact with Cardinal fans that you never would have known otherwise. 
Um, some of the best friendships that I've made have been through the group and the page. And that's, you know, a testament to just how passionate Cardinal fans are. You know, Jared and Larry, you both, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys feel the same that you've formed a lot of friendships in the group that just over the passionate Cardinals, you know, fan base that we wouldn't talk to these people the way that we do if we run into them at Bush Stadium, you know, to have a social media platform and a podcast interact with people. That's that's been the coolest part of it. So that's the big difference between the page and the group. Without the page and the group, I would be able to tell you, I would not know there are thousands of people out there do not like me. So I appreciate it. So, but like you said, it does bring, it does bring us all together because we do, we do share a common goal um, that we all want to see the Cardinals succeed. We may look at it differently, different eyes, but the one thing credit to you is that you do keep up with those articles. And the thing I do like about the page is that, you share a lot of other podcasters. You share a lot of other bloggers. It's not just us three on there. Um, so you do reach out to others because there are differing opinions. We've got a lot of friends that we've met, uh, the Comer, Cromers of the world, those guys that have done a lot for the page and the group because they mentioned us in their podcasts. Okay, uh, Jared, you can talk now maybe. Yeah, let's get the sentimental stuff from Jared, you know, insert the, the, the sad music here. Yeah, I want to talk to you guys for a moment about players' feelings and emotions. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was busting up laughing. I'm a, so that's the basis why Chris really created two pages. So I wanted to make sure everyone knows the difference because I even see people on Twitter that don't know the difference. And it's a page in a group. The group is for everyone to share their own interpersonal thoughts until we put them on post approval. You know, they say so and so is 0 for 13 good grief, cut him already. You know, that could be one on the page. It's just stuff that we want to put out there. So if you don't want to deal with the riffraff and people's opinions, and you want to go somewhere, that's basically a big funnel of all Cardinal news and information. And you want to get your daily fix, whether you're on break at work, waiting for your oil change, other than watching this video podcast, which is your first priority. Uh, that would be second is to go there and, and, and read the stories. And Chris has always been, I will say this will be my sentimental piece because I don't get sentimental and I don't believe in it. It's all horseshit. Um, Chris, <laughs> heart is bigger than his brain. And Chris, uh, it's true. They're both big. It's the only two things. Uh, yes. But Chris cares about a lot of people. It has made a lot of close friends, a lot closer friends than I think any of us have and it's made a lot of context and Chris likes to share a lot of people's content and help anyone out there that wants to gain reach Chris tries to help because Chris thinks I you know everyone should help everyone and that's not the way the world goes and unfortunately Chris helps everyone and most people don't help Chris uh, that being said Chris shares if you are have any ounce of quality of work Chris will share it on that page to help people get exposure because he tries to help Everyone can reach and he likes everyone and he does love the Cardinals and it is his outlet. He spends a lot of time doing this. So uh, if you're doing anything of quality work, Chris is always happy to help and share. And that's why he created that page. So uh, there was an outlet for people that he knows that are trying to get their information and their work out there for another chance for them to get some exposure. And also so people that are fans of the Cardinals don't have to deal with the nuances of social media. 
that everyone hates. So there's two different outlets. If you need direction, reach out to any one of us and we'll help point you to the one of your choice. Or you can do like some people just join both. Because normal people just go to one page and share it to the other, not even realizing that we're the same. And that happens a lot. Or the, the messages that we get with fans that think we're the official St. Louis Cardinals, you know, Facebook page. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we get those messages of, hey, you know, when, when do when are you guys going to have tickets for sale? And yeah, like, can I take my two-year-old to the game and sit on my lap? I'm like, I just tell everyone yes. <laughs> can you help me get tickets to the game? I say yes. Meet me outside the third base. Meet me by the mutual statue. There you go. <laughs> Four o'clock. My name's Larry Cox. I have box seats. <laughs> That's what I need. More people not liking me. Thanks. I'll be running around wearing red face paint. Just flag me down. And I'll give you some I was, tickets. I was waiting for that. Drive around my golf cart. <laughs> I hope we, hope we win this year. I don't think he's going to be doing much running. Rapping. Right. Do you guys see my Venmo back here? If you could send karaoke live karaoke with the rally runners coming up next after this podcast that'll be our next guest <laughs> that's our next guest that's chris's karaoke. next guest <laughs> karaoke live on facebook uh one thing i did one other thing i didn't want to touch on that uh we didn't uh is chris jordan hicks made his debut in the spring training game an official debut so that's good news through 22 pitches uh over 12 minutes so six pitches were over 100 miles an hour so um, seeing him back in actual face and live opposing hitters on another team has to be great news for Cardinal Nation. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's that's another player that I don't think they're going to thrust immediately in that closer role. And we've talked about it, that they've got Gallegos and Webb and a few others that they can start the season, you know, closing if picks isn't quite ready. But it was nice to see him on the mound, hitting over 100 on the gun. And, you know, it – just like all these other guys trying to to make the team, it's he's got a lot to prove with the knocking off the rust. I mean, he come out, it was a fireball thrower. Um, then with the surgery, and then last year being out, you know, he's got a couple seasons worth of rust to kind of knock off. But definitely somebody exciting to see back on the mound and doing well for us. Yeah, Larry throwing that many pitches in that period of time, and then six of them are over hundred miles an hour. You got to figure he's Got to be the de facto closer unless he just comes out and has a about a bad outing, and then they'll still say it's closer by committee. You would think. When they the game the other day that he pitched in, that was kind of the ongoing discussion. They don't think they're going to announce a closer to start the season, but I think he eventually takes back that role. But uh, wasn't it like twenty two pitches to one hitter? Yeah. So that's the other thing. I mean, he couldn't put the guy away. Um, so it is that, like you said, it's that feel for the ball to get the off speed pitches. Cause I mean, we all know he throws hard, but if you know, a guy's going to throw a hundred plus, you are just going to sit on it, wait on a fastball. Um, so that slider he's got, you know, that's the rusty part of it and get to roll over. So it'll come. It's just, you know, the more times he throws, it's going to be there. Um, but to come out as like he did is, um, it's phenomenal. You know, he did set out. Uh, especially knowing, you know, he is a, a type one diabetic. They were kind of overly cautious. Then last year, they want to make sure that there was no reason to rush him back. So I'm kind of excited. Again, it's good news for everybody all the way around, especially him. 
Yeah, same here. It's good to see him just get back in the game action after being out for so long. Uh, other than that, I think that's all I, I've got for today. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, on the Facebook page and Facebook group at Cardinals Nation 24-7. Here on YouTube, YouTube backslash C backslash Cardinals Nation 24-7. Chris, where else uh, can they find you and how do they reach us on our Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, on Instagram, it's Cardinals Nation 247. On Twitter, at Cards Nation 247. Um, you can find us on Facebook, both on the page and the Facebook group is called called Cardinals Nation 247. Uh, I know Jared and myself kind of been doing some side projects with our you know, weekly shows that we've been doing on audio. Uh, I do Cardinal Cuts with Chris Lawless, do that each, each week. I kind of had a little hiatus last week, but Jared's been doing Redbirds with Redwine where he does a deep dive with the minor leagues. And, you know, that's something that we're passionate about. But ultimately, we want everybody to tune in and subscribe here on our flagship show, Cardinals Nation 24-7 Podcast. We've hit over 300 subscribers now in just a little over a month. So that's pretty exciting. We encourage all of, all of the, the listeners to not just like and subscribe, but share our shows out. You know, it helps us out that there's only so many Facebook groups that we can share this content out to. And, you know, while we're not trying to be famous by any means, it does help us by reaching more fans to get more eyes on the product. And you can see these sweet shirts that Jared's holding up there. You know, the audio listeners, you're missing out. If you're listening on audio, subscribe on YouTube so you can see these damn nice shirts. Oh, this shirt right here. This is how, this is how you wear it? Yeah. You look, you look better, better, Jared. You look better. Thank you. I know. We're already getting group, group members, you know, asking where they can pick these shirts up. So maybe, you know, before long, we can start putting these out for purchase, you know. Yeah, we do. Have, I do have a couple extra. So if you, if you are interested in one, get a hold of Chris. Maybe we'll start a list. That would probably be the best thing to do. Or maybe we'll have some of these left over that we could uh, send out to you guys or make some kind of deal on. Because uh, we've got, we've given we all have it, obviously, and then uh, Matt has one because he came on the podcast. That was the rule. They had to come on the show first before they could get the shirt. Uh, but just different stuff we're looking at trying to do because a lot of people do ask us about it. It's, it's something we want to do for ourselves, but a lot of people have been asking you know, about shirts for, for quite a while. So it's something we wanted to venture into. So we try to use the YouTube platform as, a, as an idea to help kind of take care of some of those things. So. Yeah, uh, like, comment, subscribe, please share, let people know to follow us. Uh, we also want it to be interactive, so if you have a suggestion or topic that you'd like to see us cover, please send it to us uh, through here or else uh, on the Facebook group or the page as well. Uh, other than that, Larry, do you have anything in closing? The one thing I would like to see, uh, those that do uh, view or listen to us either way, Leave some feedback, even on Facebook. Let us know what you enjoy or dislike about what we do. Um, we can't we can't get better without critiquing our shows. So it is appreciated a little fan back uh, fan feedback. Excuse me. Um, so other than that, I like I like fan back fan back. Yeah, yeah. It's like Nickelback on the back. You just kind of copyright that shit. Right that's, right, that's me, man. I'm all over. Fanback is. I'm a trendsetter, man. Just well, he's the legend, people. It's why he's the legend. Love me, hate me, but at least you're paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you have anything in closing? No, just again, appreciate everybody that's you know tuned in and subscribed already. And for those that have left feedback, that's awesome. But like Larry said, you know, anything that you've got to say, 
after watching the episode, you know, we'll take the good and the bad and learn from it and kind of use that to fuel us to do better on next shows and put out content that we know that you enjoy watching. So we thank everybody. Yep, our next uh, conversation with the nation will be taking place uh, early next month. We haven't narrowed down the date, but Chris is going to do that soon. He's been yep. working on locking it down. He'll probably let me know in a day or so. He's low, he's on top of it. Uh, you can also find him again at uh, Cardinal Cuts with Chris Wallace, an official podcast Cardinals Nation 24-7. You can find me, Redbirds with Red Wine. And for the living legend, Larry Cox, founder Chris Lullis, I'm Jared Redwine. Thanks for joining us, and go Cards. Go Cards. Card. Uh, uh, uh. All right, Fox. Good job. Bye. Bye. Chris, it's to the front porch. We're still on the porch. Fuck you. Subscribe or fuck you. Yeah, and we're still recording. Leaving that on there. <laughs> Well, that would go for a well. After the credits, that would be like the Marvel closing Don't leave now, you can miss Chris's outtakes. Yeah. Fuck everybody, we hate your asses. He goes outside, he's gonna light up like dude one time. I'm right tonight, I'm right. <laughs>